Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. So the story is told about a guy who died and went to heaven, but uh, as he was talking to St. Peter, Pete said, uh, before we can do the final check-in and assessment, you need to uh, affirm that this is where you want to be. And before you can do that, I need you to take a tour of hell. He says, I don't need to take a tour of hell. I'm here. I'm grateful. This is where I want to stay. Peter said, I can appreciate that, but rules are rules. Step into that elevator. It's just go down, do your visit, come back. Everything will be fine. I don't want to go. If you don't want to go, you can't stay here. So he finally decides, okay, I'll go. So he gets in the elevator. He goes down. The elevators open up. He walks into hell. And, he, and he's immediately, all of his senses are, are, uh, are assaulted by, by lights and music. And, 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 there's, and there's dancing going on. And, and there's, there's, it's a party. And he's, he's looking. He's seeing all of his friends. And, and they're just having a great time. And so he's like, where, where, what, what is going on? And uh, they, yeah, yeah, Joe, come on in, come on in. Not, not that Joe. Come on in. And so, uh, so he's looking around and they're, they're welcoming him and they're, con, you know, congratulating him on transitioning from the, the temporal to the eternal. And, uh, you know, they're throwing drinks in his hands and the music is from his youth. And he's so excited. And there's a golf tournament next week and they want him to play in their foursome and it's just going on and on and he's just stunned and then there's a tap on his shoulder he says okay your time is up here you got to go back to heaven and they're saying oh yeah so good to see you you know we hope to see you again soon bye uh, he gets he gets in the elevator and he's going up and he's going man that is nothing like what I thought it was gonna be and so he gets up into heaven, and there's Peter. And, and Peter says, well, what'd you think? And, uh, and so, before you answer that, let me, give, let me give you the tour up here. And so he, you know, he takes him, and he shows him the green pastures and the still waters and, uh, and talks to him about life in heaven. And he says, okay, do you want to stay? And Joe said, thank you for the opportunity. I, he's thinking about the party. He's thinking about his friends. He's thinking about that golf tournament. And he says, I, I, ne I, I never thought I would say this, but no offense. I, I, I want to spend eternity in hell. So Pete says, okay, sign right here. He signs it off. He gets in the elevator. He's going down. He's tapping his toes. You know, he's thinking, yeah, this is going to be so much fun. And the elevator opens up, and he's hit by a blast of heat and sulfur. And people are in agony. And, and, and his friends are being, being tortured. And he, and, 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 he, and he walks in, and he goes, what gives? And they said, Yesterday, we were recruiting. <laughs> Today, your staff. Welcome to hell. 
You know, we can laugh about that and, uh, uh, and, and you know, we talk about, the, uh, about what's next and, and everything within us tells us that there is something next. Uh, yeah, I've said over and over again, you know, we look in the mirror and we don't remember growing old. Uh, you know, uh, Jody and I this morning, uh, how'd you sleep last night? Well, not so well. Uh, yeah, how about you? Yeah, you know, I got this new pain. And it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, can we just deal with one thing at a time? As, we, as you get older, you, you, you feel all the aches and pains. But you look in the mirror and, and when did I get old? Because the spirit never ages. The spirit is eternal. God has placed eternity in our hearts. And, and we, 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 we sense that there has to be more to life than, than what we experience in our few years here on earth. It was, it was uh, Blaise Pascal, the uh, French mathematician, the inventor of the modern computer, uh, who said, what if, uh, what if you lived your life as a believer and, and then you died and, you, and that was it? What would you have lost? And now look at the other side. <laughs> Timing. Lots of motorcycles. Timing. That's all right, Art. He's going to leave. <laughs> Drive carefully on that donor cycle. <laughs> so he says, now consider the other alternative that you choose to live your life as a non-believer and you get to the end and you face eternity. What do you stand to lose? Everything. And, 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 and some people have said, well, that's a, that's a silly thing for Pascal to have, to have, uh, have said. That makes no sense at all. And, and actually, it does make sense. Because for the naturalist, for, for the atheist, finding meaning in this life is all that matters. It's all that matters. And so as a believer, I can look at an atheist and, and say with full confidence, I've met your test. I, I've, I've met your requirements. I have found meaning and purpose in my life. I'm a happy camper. Can you meet mine? What if I'm right and you're wrong? What if there's only a, what if it's a 50-50 proposition? What if, it's, what if it's even less than that? You're risking eternity on the choices that you make. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the eighth chapter of John. We're almost out of the eighth chapter. I can't wait for chapter nine. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we're in, we're in the eighth chapter, and we're still in the festival of, of the tabernacles. We've talked about the, about the feast of the, uh, of, of the tabernacles and the water ceremony and the, and the light ceremony. And Jesus saying, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Uh, Jesus has said, I am the light of the world, and, and, and people are dividing. John wants us to know unequivocally that Jesus is God. Make no mistake, that's John's 
that's his goal in writing this gospel. I, I would argue that the gospel of John was the very last book written in the New Testament uh, canon. And uh, as he finishes up the book of Revelation, and he probably has copies of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, uh, and he's reading over those, and he says, you know, there's some stuff that we just got to get this out there. And so he writes his final gospel, the final book, I think, of the New Testament uh, with the express goal of making sure people don't miss who Jesus is because eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. So we pick up the narrative uh, in verse 22. Once more, once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that, is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be you will indeed die in your sins who are you they asked just what I have been claiming all along Jesus replied I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. And that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many people put their faith in him. Jesus is being attacked at this point by the institution, the religious institution of the day. And last week, I sent you away asking uh, yourselves, is my faith an institutional faith or is my faith a personal faith? And if your faith is anything other than a personal faith, then we need to talk. Because our focus needs to be on the person of Jesus Christ. We talk in John about the great I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the, the, the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. When Jesus uses that language, especially the I am, they're not missing the connection between what Jesus is saying and what Moses heard when he stood before that burning bush. 
when Moses flat out asked God, when I go to the Israelites, they are going to ask me, who sent me? What shall I tell them? And God replied, I am who I am. You tell them I am has sent you. And in an interesting side note, the, the word used, I am, is only four consonants because they didn't put in vowel points back in those days. And of the four consonants, one is repeated. So there are three different consonants in that word I am in the Hebrew. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Hebrew language, each letter has a meaning. And those letters for the word I am literally stand for the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will come. Kind of sounds like the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So Jesus is tying all that together, and they are not missing it because that is ultimately why Jesus is going to go to the cross. And he knows he's going to go to the cross. At this point, he knows it. Look back at verse 20, uh, at 27. They didn't understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew that he was about to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to go through a mock trial. He knew that they were going to crucify him, that he would die, and that he would be buried. He also knew that there would be a resurrection and that there would be an ascension up into heaven. This is a hinge point in history. This is a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. I've argued in the past that the first 11 chapters of, uh, of the book of Genesis is just backstory. Not just, but it is backstory to let us know what God did and what went wrong. And starting from chapter 12, which is where Abraham is given the promise that I will make of you a great nation and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. From that point to the end of the book of Revelation is God's plan to woo us back, to redeem us into a relationship with him. Not just so that when we shuffle off this mortal coil, we can, we can go up to heaven and check the box and say, yeah, I want to stay. But that we might have life and have it more abundantly right here now the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that, that, that affirms that peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ. And that peace with God is what gives us peace within our own souls that allows us to be at peace with other people. If you're having difficulty with relationships in your life, check your own spirit. Am I settled? Am I in a good place with God? Where is the Holy Spirit at work in my life, transforming me? Paul says, to, renew, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is the area that we have to conquer. 
Jesus gives us a new heart. But we've got to work to transform the mind. As a person thinks within themselves, so they are. They didn't understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many people put their faith in him. So you see the divide. People who don't know what's going on and people who are putting their faith in Jesus. And you know what the difference between the two is? We have to go back a few verses to figure that out. Once more, back in verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Jump down to verse 24. I told you, that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Three times that phrase is repeated within the, these couple of verses. If you do not believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. And even as he was speaking, the gulf between the believers and the non-believers was widening. Why is that important for us? The pastor, we're here. We believe. We believe that Jesus is the one he claims to be, that he is fully God, that he is fully human. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word dwelt among us, became flesh, and dwelt among us. To fulfill the law in a way that we could not, and to teach us how to live within that law, punctuated with grace. Because there is mercy, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation. Through Jesus. Someone asked me, what about all the people that lived before Jesus? What about the guy that died the day before Jesus was born? When you read the Old Testament, they knew. They knew. They understood. They could not keep the law in and of their own strength. Time and time again, we find in the Old Testament the people of God throwing themselves on his mercy. Lord, you are able. I am not. Your mercies, they are new every day, and I need them new every day. There was an understanding that eventually God would provide a way. They looked forward to the day that the Messiah would come. I, I love that image in, uh, uh, I think it is in Luke's gospel, where they bring uh, Jesus to the temple as, a, as an infant. And, and Simeon sees him, this, this old prophet hanging out in the temple. He sees Jesus and his eyes lighten up. 
And he says, take me, Lord, for I have seen your salvation. He was told that he would not die until he had seen the salvation of the Lord. He sees the child coming into the temple so that they could do for him what the law required. And he says, I can, I, I'm, I can die a happy man because I have seen the Lord's salvation. So whether one is looking forward or one is looking back, Jesus represents that hinge point in history where everything changes where the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham, reiterated to Moses, spoke through David and the prophets, is coming into fruition. It is here. We live in the already but not yet. Because God is still drawing people to himself. What does that have to do with us, Pastor? We've been drawn. Yes, but who is being drawn through you? How are you equipping yourselves to have the conversation? When we have the conversation of faith, there are always going to be people who do not believe. But as we talk about Jesus and people hear about who Jesus is and what he has done, there are still those who will believe. Our missionary in the Middle East said to, said to me, he said to us, everybody talks about wanting the Lord to come back, come back, come back, come back. I'm tired. I want out. He says, I selfishly don't want the Lord to come back right now because we are seeing a harvest in the Middle East unlike anything that has been seen for centuries. For centuries. And now people are coming to Christ through dreams and visions, and through faithful believers who simply share what they believe, why they believe it, and why it matters. This is a time of equipping. As we gather on Sunday mornings, we equip one another. We encourage one another. When we walk out those doors, we are on the mission field. We are on the mission field. This is a time of equipping. But as you all know all too well, we are entering into a time of transition. And that has some people a little anxious. Pastor, there's no one like you. You can thank God for that. Because I believe that God loves this worshiping community more than all of us put together. And I believe that God is doing a work in this worshiping community like none other. And of course, he's doing a, a, a work in another worshiping community like none other. We're getting ready to go through a time of transition. I know that. I recognize that. One of the things that has grieved my heart is when people have said, well, so-and-so is going to leave as soon as you leave. If it's about me, then I've wasted my time. I would implore you not to leave. Yes, the church is getting ready to go through a transition. But I believe that God still has great things in store for this worshiping community. 
And I don't know who's going to follow me. The Lord does. And I hope that you are praying for whoever that is. And praying often. And praying for the church, that the church might be strong when that person comes. But the only way that the church is going to be strong and prepared when the next pastor comes in to labor in this field is for you to be strong and to be prepared. And I'm not going to be here to guide you through that. This next week, you know what you're going to get in the mail? You're going to get a stewardship letter. <laughs> you're going to get an invitation. It's the last stewardship letter that I will write for Grand Memorial. And when you read it, I hope that you read it prayerfully and thoughtfully. And then respond. This is not the time to back down. And that's what happens in, in, in worshiping communities over and over again. The pastor leaves People go, okay, well, this is my opportunity to see what else is out there. This is your opportunity to make sure that this body is ready and prepared for the next person who comes. The work will continue because you continue. You will still be here. Now, somebody said, oh, everybody's going to be so sorry to see you leave. And I go, not everybody. But those are the people that keep me honest. I have a stack of envelopes in my dress or in my, in my drawer, my desk in my office on the left-hand side, a stack of envelopes about this big. And they're, they're filled with cards and letters. And I pull them out and they're, they're separated into two sections. One of the sections tells me how great I am and how wonderful I am and how grateful people are that I'm here and so on and so forth. And I put that stack back. That's the stack that I pick out and I go through when, when I'm feeling a little down. Uh, so then I put that stack down because most of the time I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like what I do. Uh, I, I, I love seeing lives transformed by the gospel. Uh, it's exciting for me to watch people grow spiritually, becoming the people that God has created them to be. And, and so then I'll, I'll, I'll pull out the other stack of envelopes. Some of them ha have come to me anonymously. I, I stopped saving anonymous letters. They go into the shredder. I don't even read them anymore. Uh, if you want to say something, have the guts to own it. Uh, but they're the ones... Uh, that tell me how far I have fallen short. They're the letters that tell me, you know what, uh, you missed an opportunity here. You let me down. Uh, uh, maybe you have, uh, maybe your time is done here. You've overstayed your welcome. Uh, it's time to move on. I, I, I have them. I, I, I have them. And, and, and I look at that stack when I start getting a little too full of myself. Because it brings me back to earth. It grounds me. And it reminds me that it's not about me. And, and you need to know that it's not about me. As I've said before, God has a plan. I'm not it. You're not it. 
We're a part of that plan. That plan is so much bigger than anything that we could possibly imagine. And we get to be a part of that plan of, of bringing the fullness of history uh, to fruition. But it only happens if people grow together in their faith. I'm not even going to be here in 2023. I'm going to pledge to Grand Memorial. Jody and I are going to make a pledge to this community, and I hope that you join me in that. It's a once-a-year outreach to ask you to support the ministry of this church. You know what happens at Grand Memorial? Lives are changed. Children are introduced to the gospel. Youth learn what it means to live in a challenging time with faith that sometimes is so precariously balanced that, that they don't know what to think. This is a safe place for people to come and to be loved. This is a place that is engaged in mission work, not just at the San Diego Rescue Mission, but around the world. The missions that you support are amazing in the Middle East, in Africa, throughout Europe. We take care of the military. We take care of the, of the, of the poor and the disenfranchised. We do that together. I pray that you stick together during the interim period I know it is a time that can be unsettled. But be the stability by committing to the ministry of this worshiping community. And then when the new person comes, give that new person at least six months or a year. It's going to take somebody some time to... I was so wet behind the ears when I got here. The Sunday that I did my candidating sermon was in August of 1993. My family came. And after the, after the sermon, there was a congregational vote. And, and, and I'm, I'm walking out down the sidewalk with my family, and they're saying, what's going to happen next? I'm saying, well, they're going to have a congregational meeting, and they're going to vote on, on whether or not to call me as a pastor. And this young woman rushes up to me, and she says, your microphone is still on. If you, if, you, if you knew the people who applied for this position and you knew what my credentials were when you called me as pastor, you would have said to the nominating committee, what were you thinking? The nominating committee, some of them are, are still here today. I see one there, one there. They saw something. And evidently it worked because for 29 years I've been preaching sermons in this church. You believed in somebody that you thought, and it was almost a unanimous vote. There was one person that voted against me. And you know, for years people wanted to tell me who that was. And I said, no, I don't want to know who it is. I don't want to know who it is. 
my 10-year anniversary, Ben Harris walked up to me and said, Pastor David, if you remember Ben, that's how he talked. Pastor David, I was the one that voted against you. <laughs> I thought you were too young, too inexperienced. I was wrong. Thank you for being my pastor. You gave me a chance. You need to give the next person a chance. And you need to stick together. And you stick together through your time, through your talents, and through your treasures. The stewardship letter is going to come this week. Fill it out. Double your pledge. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go. That's a bad joke. Yeah, there's a, I upped my pledge. Up yours. <laughs> Did I just say that? Sometimes I should just keep my mouth shut. Jan's been working on me for that for years. And trust me, I'm doing a lot better than I once was. I'm still a work in process. This church is still a work in process. You are still a work in process. Don't leave. Double down. Commit. Receive that letter. Prayerfully respond. And then stick together. Because I'm convinced that God still has great things in store for Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church on the corner of 10th and C. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Tony Campolo, some of you know that name. Uh, he used to talk about this song and wonder what Christians were really thinking when they sang it. And maybe we ought to uh, uh, change the lyrics from I surrender all to uh, I surrender one-tenth. <laughs> but I'm not even sure we do that. The challenges before us are Herculean, no doubt. But just as the Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I go, you may be also. My hope is that during this period of transition, that you commit to preparing a place for the new pastor. And you can only do that by sticking together, praying together, celebrating together, tithing together to keep this worshiping community strong so that when the new pastor comes in, they can hit the road running. When you receive the letter, prayerfully respond sooner rather than later so that we can button up the stewardship campaign for 2023 and end the year in celebration. Amen? Amen. Amen.